Doug South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DougSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling in the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry, I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm party. And Jake LaTontis. I am bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaPorte in the Ducks House Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me today, Colorado. Jake. Jake, do you get any of that snow? I saw where it snowed in Montana, Wyoming, Colorado uh, two days ago. It snowed in the mountains. Yeah, it snowed in the mountains, but it didn't snow here. I was in Virginia uh, with my wife's family, the in-laws, and some of her friends. And when uh, my son Walker and I flew back uh, the day before yesterday, and when we landed, we landed at like almost noon. It was 47 degrees outside. <laughs> And it looked like it had just snowed, but all the snow had melted. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty wild. We've had a long we've had a long winter and a late 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 spring, and we literally our trees while they're green and they're all you know they're all all the leaves are out. It still doesn't look like full blown summer here yet, and the grass the grass is just now starting to get green. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. I had some family that were in Montana, and I think it, it snowed 14 inches on them. Wow. That's I think that crazy. they were in Missoula. Is that on the western, far western side? Yep, that's over on the south, it's southwestern uh, Montana. That's it. So it, it, that's crazy for first day of that's summer to nuts. snow that much. Yeah, but no doubt. I think that it's only done that. I was reading a story, uh, history of weather. They were talking about a blizzard that came through Colorado, I think late 40s, I believe, or maybe in 64. On the, the summer blizzard is what they called it. In 1964? I think that's what it was. 64 of the late 40s, 48, somewhere in uh, there. Can't uh, remember the exact year, but they, it was a blizzard on the first day of summer on June the 21st. Yeah, that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. We've had, we've had snow. I've seen snow here, like heavy snow. Uh, I think the the latest I ever saw it, or or, I don't know what you call it, it was late or early fall, but I saw it snow here on August 4 one time, like a major snow. And then on September 28th, maybe 20 years ago, 
we got 38 inches of snow on September 28th one time. Whew. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, it's funny, too, because that morning it snowed so much, and it was heavy, as you can imagine. You know, it was an early fall snow, so it's heavy in moisture. And so I had to get my tractor out. And, I mean, think about that, 38 inches of over three feet. And I had to drive my tractor, 65-horse Massey Ferguson, with a front-end loader on it. And I put the bucket down and ran it like a like a blade and literally drove from my house to my bar, the town pump, which was about eight miles away at the time. And no one, it was like lockdown. And we don't get lockdown very often from snow because we're used to it, right? It's Colorado. But this town was in lockdown. But I went down there to shovel the sidewalks uh, so I wouldn't get fined for it uh, in front of my bar. And when I went in, I got through shoveling. And I went inside. I started cleaning the bar up. And I was in my snow pants and snuck it and all that and and, and, uh, big, you know, rubber boots and all that. And someone knocked on the window at the bar, and they said they they put their head in the door, and they said, "Can we come in for one drink?" And I was like, "No, man. You know, I just got down here, doubled the sidewalk. I'm all sweaty. If I let you in, I'll have to let someone else in." And they begged me. I was like, "Okay, come in for one beer." And that just started this this this. I don't know what happened. If they texted somebody or what, but people started coming in. And before you know it, three hours later, my bar is packed. We're only business in Old Town open for business because of the snow, and we are literally having a having a a record of the year. <laughs> wow, that was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not snowing there in Mississippi. No, no, it's it's but it's nice. 86, 88. I don't see any 90s, but maybe one day over the next 10-day forecast Uh on the Weather Channel app. So not that bad of a summer yet. I'm sure July and August will be a totally, totally different story. Jake, when you get back from a trip from South Africa that you just got back with Renzi from, how many images, how many photos will you have to go through well i think i had i I, man (laughs) probably around three to four thousand holy moly just yeah i mean i shoot photos you know i could i mean you got to understand too some of my you know some of my cameras have a really high frame rate shooting action so i might hammer off you know six or seven hundred photos five minutes like just like that and so they adds up really quickly three or four thousand is probably underestimated actually there's probably more seven thousand photos um because i take at least a thousand a day um and i was i was i was there with ramsey for 10 10 days shooting but you know when i'm with ramsey or a lot of times when i shoot vin photos i can't do both at the same time so i'll 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 shoot a bunch of video make sure i got what i need 
for the day and then I'll put my video camera down or at least turn it off and just, you know, leave it there in case something happens or shooting photos so I can get uh, both activities in. Some days I never get to shoot photos because I'm so filming. Um, so but know, that's kind of how you it can works. Pull, you can pull images from those, from the video. Sure, that doesn't. Yeah, that, not it, too hard for you. Same. I mean, no, it's not hard. But uh, you, know, when I shoot with my red camera, that films in raw, and and while I mean, while every frame is a raw image, when you pull a frame out of video, it's not the same. Not it's just not the same as it would be if you shot it with like a, you know, a, a thirty plus megapixel censored DSLR like a Canon 1X Mark II or a, a Sony Alpha Mark or Sony Sony Alpha 7 Mark III or something like that. You know, you get these super high quality images. You just can't you cannot do you cannot duplicate that from a film from a film scene. Right. So much is put into the perfect photograph. Now, you know, I can't remember who it was telling me, like, you know, Yeti puts a lot um, into photographs now from a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, they may have a team of 100 photographers, and I know you're one of their top ones. Correct me if I'm wrong in saying any of this. You guys may I'm not one of their top photographers. I contribute. I contribute to them, and we've talked about uh, doing some, you know, tighter work. But we've never really gotten around to that yet. So I'm not one of their top guys, but I do work with. I do work the on the on the on a epithelial surface basis. Right. Well, I'm. Thank you for correcting me because I don't want. It's like you told yeah, me I something in the past, to... and they're not right. But thank yeah, you. I don't want to misrepresent I... myself or Yeti. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I know that I know that they've used stuff from you in the past. Mm. So what I'm saying is, they may have a team of hundred people that contribute. Oh man, you may want to use this photo. Let's say a hundred photographs, ten thousand a month. Mm -hmm. it's just throwing crap against the wall this may not be the case sure. but they pick out one or two out of ten thousand professional images that amazes me mm -hmm. you know these guys are sending in the best of their best and yet he makes uh, you it can be frustrating two or three mm -hmm. that can be frustrating too because and and you know, what goes into that too, Rocky, is really important for people to understand hiring photographers out there. You know, just because you think something is a really amazing photo, regardless of who shot it, whether, you know, you shot it yourself or, or uh, you know, Annie Leibowitz shot it for Rolling Stone. I mean, um, everyone has a different eye. So, one of the things that I've learned growing up and developing as a professional 
is when you send photos in, you better you better be hard and you better have thick skin because you might think you sent in ten really amazing photos in a you know in a in a in a portfolio or a gallery of a hundred or two hundred photos. And you one one none of them might get cho might not get chosen because the people that are choosing photos have an agenda and they have a purpose for what they're trying to choose and what they're trying to portray or the message they're trying to get across or the story they're trying to tell. So, you know, again, I send in thousands of photos to lots of different people and and you know 98% of them get rejected because they don't have a use for them or they didn't see the same thing that you saw well here here's the other thing a lot of time we are emotionally connected to photographs and what I'm all right let me explain myself in saying this or whoever thought we were going to go deep it's odd <laughs> today all right so let me say this as a photographer, and you catch a moment, it's not like you have personally an emotional connection to that moment. Those guys that are sitting in a in a corporate room at ABC Corporation, they don't have that emotional connection to that photograph. They weren't there when that big trout, you know, hit that fly. In Montana on the Yellowstone oh, River, right. mm -hmm. they and, and and I think it goes back to what you're saying too. They they've got there's some politics on the side that they want their guy to use their guy's photo. Mm -hmm. But back to what I'm saying, emotionally, they may you may see it. It's just like painting a. a a canvas. You may see it as sunset on the beach. Another guy may see it as a blue blob with an orange target on it. Mm -hmm. Or a, a clay pigeon flying through the air. It may be absolute art to you, but to them, they don't see it. They don't see that message. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Am I in my role? In say, uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, I that up. essentially, no, 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 no. Essentially, uh, without you know being redundant, it's pretty much uh, what we just what I just said. In that, everyone has a different eye, and you know that emotional attachment, which you're very accurate about, is part of what you see and and how you. And if you weren't there then you don't get the same emotional attachment to it like you're seeing as as the person that was there. So, yeah. I mean, there's photos from South Africa. There, there's Every trip I've been on with Ramsey, like I look at some of them that I send to him and go, these are iconic. I mean, these are photos that one day are, people are going to go back, you know, in time when, uh, you know, when, when Ramsey's a, I mean, he's already building himself a, you know, his own brand and a, a legendary status in terms of his, his, his Christopher Columbus. What do they call him? The Christopher Columbus of duck hunting. I mean, that's, that's becoming legendary. 
And I believe that one day some of these photos that, that you know, he gets out of these trips uh, for me are iconic because they define who he is. And, and a lot of people have never seen any of these photos yet because Ramsey, you know, Ramsey likes to keep things tight to himself and, and in, non, in a non-selfish way, he's just got, he's got, like I said before, he's got a purpose and he's got an agenda and, and they, it's not something that needs to be released just yet. And so I believe one day when he does release these, whether they're in his catalog or on his website or, you know, on a mural in his booth at trade shows or, or whatever it is, they're going to be iconic because they define who he is and no one else has photos like this, like these because they've never been to South Africa duck hunting. They've never been to Australia duck hunting or whatever it is. And, and if they, even if he was the first one to do it. So, you know, it means a lot to me. I'm emotionally attached to all of them. Every single photo that I send to Ramsey doing these projects that we're doing for Life Short Get Ducks are are meaningful to me because I was there and I know what I did to get that shot. I mean, some of, some of the shots I worked on last night you were asking me about took me a long time to, 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 to complete from a post-production value. And I'm like so attached to him. I see he's in Argentina right now and I sent him some photos because I was so excited about him and I told him when we were there, I said, I'm not going to show you any of these photos yet because I need to work on them a little bit to make sure that they're, they're perfect. And then, dude, you're going to, you're going to don't see them because, you know, I know I walked a mile of corn to get to this ditch to sit down behind Ramsey when he was hunting Egyptian geese. And when I laid down, I told him to face a certain direction as these geese were coming. When they got right over him, I popped off and, and damned if I didn't get a couple that, you know, again, that define Ramsey. They are, when you look at them, it is, that's who Ramsey is. He loves to shoot. He hunts internationally. He likes to shoot things at close range. And, and he's a very, very good shot. He wears leather gloves. He wears a pouch that's got his a leather pouch that's got his logo on it. You know, I mean, all these things that, that, that if you hang out with Ramsey, you see him consistently. Those are the things that define him, and those are the things that I try to tell the story with with, with my photos. Well, my, my photos would be the same over and over. Blue jeans and a white shirt. <laughs> You'd be surprised about what I might pick up. Like some grape jelly on your back pocket or might sneak a long lens <laughs> in and snap a shot of that and go, well, how did that get there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when when these assignments go out, hey, we're looking, July the 4th is coming up, we're looking for photographs that send out the message of freedom. You know, well, you know, you have one guy that sends in a photo of standing on the cliff of a huge mountain. Uh, sunset. That's freedom to that guy. He felt like, you know, he felt freedom at that point. Then you may have a guy send in a photo of a uh, guy walking out of prison for the fir first time. That's freedom and um, the emotional kind of moment of that. 
you know, whatever it may be. But what I'm saying is you, you got to convey that message. That message has to be conveyed. It may have been in that moment to you, but that moment has mm-hmm. to, you know, those other people that are seeing these photos have to see it also to be, yeah. I guess, to be used. Yeah. You know, yeah, I always I mean, look, back on one of my favorite things that you always bring back, Jake, from each trip is the faces. The faces that you photograph, that you photograph uh, in each trip. To me, uh, you know, we, we all look at the world, uh, how we're told to be, a lot of times how we're told to be, to look at it. You know, and we've talked about this before. When you went to Pakistan and you, you were shooting faces while you were there hunting. Or, you know, we are ingrained in us to dislike those people. The, the pe- some people from that part of the world. But once you start looking at their faces, their expressions, you realize they're not that different from you at all. They're really not, man. They're really not. That's a really, that's a really strong point, Rocky. That I, that I, you know, that's becoming more ingrained in me. I mean, it's as solid as a rock within me now. But every time I go somewhere, it just validates that point because, I mean, I've been in, I've been in the bush in Africa, like uh, in Zimbabwe, out in the middle of freaking nowhere. And at night, right on a on a night hunt, and we might stumble into a an agricult like a corn a maize field, a cornfield, and there might be a little bitty mud hut there. This is this is actually a true story. And this guy is late. This is like midnight or one o'clock in the morning, and we come across this guy and we see a little fire in front of the little the little hut, and the guy comes out. And you can hear a baby crying inside, and the guy comes out, and then you hear he's talking to us, and we're you know I don't even know what he's saying. Um, he's speaking to our 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 PH, our professional hunter. And then after about fifteen minutes of this conversation and standing there pointing and giving getting directions from the guy, you hear this this lady, this woman's voice come out of the hut, like yelling at him. And I don't know what she was saying, but I know what she was saying. She was saying, get back in here. I need help with this baby. And it's times like that, you know, when you go, I mean, I'm a dad and I've got young children. And I know, I know I can just tell by the tone of the voice and the situation that she was annoyed that he wasn't in there helping because the baby was crying. It was one o'clock in the morning. And, and so anyway, you just know, you just knew by the context that that lady was, you know, uh, giving her husband a hard time because she needed help with the baby. And so you go back, you know, I, I could relate to it because I'm married and I've got young children. My wife needs help with the kids. And so what that does, the common denominator is we're all human. doesn't matter where you live, men are men, women are women, babies are babies, and families are families. and you know, we all have the right. same problems, not, ne- not necessarily everything, but a lot of things 
from a just a humanitarian standpoint, we all have the same issues. It's really an interesting uh, way to look at the world. No, I, I agree with you. That do you think? Well, I'll end on this one, Jake. You've traveled with a lot of different people, okay? Mm-hmm. The way that the poor are looked at in the U.S. You know, we see a guy holding a sign up on the side of the road. Um, we'll take anything, vet, or um, car broken down. We'll take any amount of money, blah, blah, blah. You know, in our minds, we're thinking, that guy could be working at McDonald's making some money. Or... Mm-hmm. You know, we see these videos pop up on Facebook that these stories are fake. These people are making more money than 80% of the people in the United States. They're making six, seven, eight, nine hundred $900 a day holding a sign up. Mm-hmm. They just have a lot more courage than some of us. I don't know if that's courage. Mm-hmm. But, all right, I'm getting to my point. Persistence. <laughs> as, as Americans travel outside the U.S. We have this image in our minds and in our hearts of poor. Do you think because of what we see in America, the fake poor, that we have a coldness about us as as people go outside the U.S.? Do you understand what I'm wait, saying? Wait. No, ask me that the 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 ask me the that question again. I get what you're saying, but ask the question again. Do you think that Americans, because of all the you know the guy holding the sign on the street, the 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 lady collecting the welfare check, uh, that we have a coldness about us? Um. When it comes to being poor, yeah, I, yes, Americans. I think we do. I think we do because it's all relative, and I don't think it's necessarily a fault. I mean, it, it is and it isn't. So you can only be your 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 fault really when you realize you're making a decision that's a wrong decision, and it's a conscious decision. So you know, you you're you 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 that 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 can you know put you at fault when you don't know something based on ignorance, and I use the word ignorance as defined in a dictionary. And when you don't know something, then you don't know you're making a bad decision because you don't know, right? You don't know any better. So I think you know for people that haven't traveled around the world, and and I think poverty in the U.S. is different from a third world country like, you know, Mongolia or parts of, you know, most of Africa or Azerbaijan, wherever it is, I think, I think poverty is defined differently because we do have opportunity. You know, right now our, our unemployment rate is the lowest it's been in, what, 45 years. It's at 3% right now. And, and the 3% 
you know, whatever that 3% is, a percent or, or a high percentage of those people that are unemployed probably isn't to be unemployed legitimately. And so, you know, and, and I think we have, we have this sense of entitlement that, that, you know, creates a barrier between relativity in terms of comparing poverty here and comparing poverty in a third world country. And the thing that I see here in America is people that are poor, bitch and complain about it people in third world that are poor they don't know any better but and they 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 and they're some of the happiest people i've ever seen i mean i remember seeing and i realized this a long time ago i was in honduras one time and i saw these kids kicking around a ball they were playing soccer with a with a ball of duct tape that was rolled up in a ball and they were as happy it might as well have been an official usa you know, Olympic soccer ball, because because they were happy with it and they didn't need anything else. Whereas you buy a kid, even my kids, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, you know, and I need to work on not spoiling my kids. But when I go buy something, you know, they might, my kid might look at it and go, this isn't the one I wanted and it just burns me up and I start correcting my kid at that point, my child at that point, because I'm like, man, you got to appreciate what you have and not complain about what you don't have. <laughs> Did that answer your question? Almost a hundred percent. The reason that I brought what this up miss? was, no, 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 no. You didn't miss anything. I'll close it by saying this. My dad traveled a lot and hunted uh, abroad when I was coming up. And my mother, she'd be lucky to leave. Oh, man, it, it was like pulling teeth to get her to go to the beach for a couple of days. She just didn't. She wasn't leaving. You know, she believed that the community she lived in had a gate. and She had to be behind that gate by a certain time. And yeah. so what I'm saying by saying that is my dad understood these people didn't choose this. They they were they were born into this, making the best of what they had. Mm -hmm. And you know, so his I would say he was more compassionate because he saw more than Chudel, Mississippi in his life. Get what I'm getting at? I do, Ramsey. Can I can I tell you a quick? Uh, this I mean, this is really ironic that you're bringing this up, and I hate to go over my time limit here on the podcast, but I got to tell you this quick story about something that's very similar to what you're, that relates to what you're saying. And there's this uh, this little kid on the on the on Instagram, and I'm not going to say his name yet because I'm doing a story about him, but He's a boxer. He's nine years old. I've been watching him for over a year now, and his dad is pushing him really hard. You can just tell in the content, and they put a lot of content out. They don't have much. I say that with all due respect to his dad uh, and his family. His dad works three hours away from you know his, his son, and he travels back and forth there, uh, three days a week to help train his son in boxing. And this kid is super talented, super talented. He's African-American. They don't have very much. And I just thought, you know, 
this kid is so talented and he's working so hard and you can tell that he loves it because no one that would work that hard would do it unless they loved it. You can just tell. And so I decided to contact his family um, and I did and we started talking and they're just like, who are you and why are you in our business? <laughs> and, and, I told him right off the bat, so I don't want anything from you except a story because I think your son is remarkable and I think what you guys are doing with the resources, the limited resources that you have or don't have is remarkable and I just think it's amazing and I think the more more people in this country need to do this and, and, and see your story to inspire them to create more, more, you know, more activity like this. And so I ended up buying um, I ended up buying the kid a new set, a new headgear because he grew out of his his uh, used headgear that he had, and he needed some new boxing gloves to spar with. So I bought you just yesterday. I bought him a new set, uh, a new headgear set, and a new set of boxing gloves, and I had them drop shipped to his house in Ohio because he did, they don't you know they're struggling they're struggling as it is and. You know, it cost me X amount of money, not that much relative to what it could do for that kid. And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal here. I'm just saying, you know, I think I think that comes from my travels and my compassion for people because I see people all around the world that don't have anything. And if I can lend a helping hand to someone that I know is not asking for a handout, then that makes me feel better about myself, too. Jake, close with this. Don't you think this world would be a lot better place? And I challenge everybody listening to this podcast. Find something good to do to somebody else today. Find somebody. Yep, I, I, you, you know, great. even if it's somebody you don't know, that's even better. Exactly. That's Whatever it may be. Driving, driving through the, the drive through the guy's lunch behind you. Dude, you're, you, you, you are supposed to be, I don't care what you believe in life, whether you're a Christian, a Hindu, a Muslim, Jewish, I don't care, whatever it may be, Mormon, you're supposed to be a blessing to others. You're supposed to build exactly. them up. You're supposed to... Exactly. You Lend know, a hand when someone needs listen, help up. Right, and it's not all about money. It doesn't have to be about money. I don't care if it's the lady that's coming at you on the sidewalk. One of the things, the biggest things that I teach my kids every single day, I embed it in their heads. I said, no matter who you run into, find something good to tell them about themselves. I don't care if it's their necklace. I don't care if their smile. I don't care. How they speak, yep. tell them, tell them, give them encouragement. Yep. That's why yep. we're That's here. Right. No matter what you believe, yep. man. I watched I watched a documentary on Mike Tyson, and I know a lot of people hate him and and think he's an animal, and he he hates himself and he thinks he's an animal. But one of the things that I got out of this, it's an amazing documentary called Tyson on Netflix. I mean, it's just amazing because it's a self, it's all self narrated. 
by Mike Tyson. He tells his story, and he's very candid. He's open. He's he admits the things that he did to Desiree Washington, to you know all these things, everything he did, and it's liberating. And the and the thing that you know the thing that I got out of it was that. When, when, when you, you know, his, his story with Custom Auto, who was his mentor and his, his really his father figure in his life, the good in Mike Tyson came from, from Custom Auto. And one of the things that Mike Tyson says, and he was in tears when he said this, was Cus, the first thing he did, he didn't teach him boxing the first two or three months that he had him as a, as a 13 year old boy. He didn't teach him boxing. He, he, he built his confidence. He told him that he was going to be great. He told him that he was going to be a world champion. He told him that he was better than other people, and he told him that he was special. And the thing that brought him, is, had, had Customato not told Mike Tyson those things to build his confidence level up, he never would have made it to become one of the greatest heavyweight champions ever in existence because Customato built his confidence. And the reason I'm telling you that, or I'm saying this now, is because it parallels to what you're saying. Go, go help build someone's confidence. It's like the scariest thing in the world. Everyone, everyone listening, and, and you and I included, both, we all know that, you know, the hardest thing in life is to get through your own insecurities. And if someone comes and boosts your ego by giving you confidence, it just it just makes your day better, and that one day might make your week better, and that one week might make your whole month better. So, man, I agree with you, Rocky. Go out and freaking do something nice for someone else. <laughs> yeah, man. I, you know, the other thing besides giving encouragement, you know, my foundational but belief system comes from Christianity. But the other way that I talk to my kids on the way to school every single day identify ways that you can serve. No matter if it's a guy sitting on the exactly. side of the road, the lady has got a flat. Stop and, stop and help. Your teacher. Exactly. You know, you know, one of the most encouraging things that I always hear about my kids when I go to these teachers' meetings or they're the star student of their class, they're always the first to help. They're always the first to put others first that is encouraging to me that tells me that what i'm trying to teach them because at the end of the day whether they make a five hundred thousand a year or whether they make twenty thousand a year does not matter they're putting others first they're looking yep. at life the way that i believe that life should be looked at and that's gives me encouragement. Yeah, I agree. My Liberating, kids get man. That my kids get it at so, this young of an age. Mm -hmm. They fail all I the agree. time now. I, I have to whip, whip their butts. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't want to mm -hmm. make it out to be this, this, these perfect kids. I have to whip their butts all the time. You know what I'm saying? You bet. But it comes back Man, it, it comes back full circle when they're when they're adults. That kind of thing comes back full circle. And I mean, what's the old saying? You know, when you when you when you it's selfish to help. You can look at it like this: it's help. It's it's selfish when you help someone else because at the end of that, 
gesture, you actually make yourself feel better about yourself. So there's something that gratification, you know, is is self-absorbed, but you know, whatever reason you do it for, it doesn't really matter because if you help someone else, you know, you're you're helping build their confidence. Man, I totally believe in that. 100% agree with Man. you, Rocky. And that's why Jake Latondras will be a weekly co-host on this podcast. <laughs> Those points that come out and make people better for listening to this. You know, sometimes in life we, we go our separate ways, but it's best to come back together. But that's why. Man, I enjoy talking to you, Jake. Just about life. Likewise, Rocky. I mean, Likewise. let's do it, let's do it some more. This. Man, man, go out. Go out and find somebody to give encouragement to or identify ways to help others. Some kind of way. Some kind of way. I'm not seeing financially. I challenge you. I enjoyed it today, right. man. <laughs> you have a good one. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast. Howard. By DuckSouth.com. <laughs>